The Powers on Sports podcast is brought to you by TicketSmarter.com, Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and our real estate agent in the state of Florida, Star Alvarado. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one swung lane drive left field. One run is in. Here's Kevin Green. He's the run of the play. He is safe. Nice This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. All right, welcome in Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down in a wet and windy Tampa, Florida this week where Hurricane Idalia has ravaged through the Tampa Bay area and through the Big Bend area, through the state of Georgia, and heading towards the state of South Carolina to wrap it up. Um First off, give a shout-out to all the people that were have been affected at all by the hurricane. There was a lot of uh, damage and flooding in the Tampa Bay area as well as in various comp- parts of the state of Florida as we moved further north into the west, kind of in the Big Bend area. Right, If you look at a map right where the state of Florida kind of turns and curves to the left towards as you start heading towards Tallahassee, Hurricane Adalia obviously rolled through there and made landfall early on Wednesday morning, causing havoc to uh, people all throughout the state of Florida, uh, through the state of Georgia and state of South Carolina. So just want to give a shout out to everybody. Hopefully everybody was safe and and didn't uh, incur much damage at all. Hopefully no damage. And if you did, hopefully it's something very minor that you can work through. And uh, we're just just let you know we're thinking about you. So it's been a wet, wet week here in the state of Florida. Um, We are getting ready to kick off week one of the college football season where everybody will play this week. Had a few games last week in week zero. The NFL still kicks off next week following Labor Day. So, again, we have Labor Day weekend coming up uh, this weekend for everybody. Hopefully, again, if you you weren't affected by the storm at all, hopefully you get to enjoy some uh, good uh, weekend of Labor Day, whether it's vacation or staycation or whatever you're doing. Uh, but just want to, uh, again, college football is finally here. Thank the Lord. We are here. It's ready to go. Again, uh, before we get our guest this week, we're going to talk to the play-by-play voice of the Florida Gators, Sean Kelly, who's going to preview a little bit of the, the Utah-Florida game as well as uh, the year two Billy Napier. We're also going to talk to probably the biggest game of the weekend, Sunday night in Orlando, LSU and Florida State. We're going to talk to Florida State play-by-play voice Jeff Colhane. We'll give you some good nuggets on the game. Um, just about the Florida State roster, a lot of expectations in Tallahassee this year and such. So we'll talk a lot of we'll talk some Florida State and Florida this week because they are kind of the headliners as far as a, a couple of the big games of the of the college football weekend. So uh, before we get to them, let's get to a few notes and nuggets in the NFL. Uh, a couple passings, and then we'll hit a little uh, some college football notes. I'm going to give you a couple of picks for the weekend. I'm going to make this a weekly part of the podcast. I'm going to give you three picks every week. 
whether it's a college game or NFL game. Uh, so this week will be all college picks. So I'll give you some picks as well. And uh, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna have some fun talking a little bit of gambling. We'll talk some NFL every week, and then like I said, I'm gonna talk a little baseball, a little U.S. Open here real quick. So, all right. First off and foremost, want to give a shout out Bob Barker. Rest in peace, Bob Barker, host of the uh, Price Is Right. If you're anywhere in, if you're anywhere 40 and above, you kind of probably grew up on that game back in the day. Bob Barker, longtime forever host of the Price Is Right. You know, obviously his famous uh, movie role in uh, uh, Happy Gilmore and all that stuff. Longtime uh, TV personality. He passed away at the age of 99. And also want to give a shout out to a friend of mine, uh, Big Ray Henderson up in Birmingham. Uh, one of his relatives is his, his wife's mom, Grambo. She passed away earlier in the week after a long battle. Uh, and she was in her mid-90s as well. So just want to give a shout out to those Guys, thinking about you, uh, Ray and Cheryl. And again, rest in peace, Bob Barker. The both Grambo and Bob lived very full lives, well into their 90s, so good for them. And now they are at a, in a better place. So uh, shout out to those guys. All right, quick U.S. Open note. U.S. Open started this week. Uh, again, New York City matches all throughout the day and night. I, I love, enjoy watching tennis in New York City on TV. ESPN's got all the coverage. So definitely check that out as we get through the week. Things will start to heat up as far as the matchups go. Uh, you're going to have Djokovic, Alcaraz, and the like, hopefully advancing deep into this tournament. Hopefully on the women's side, you get some Americans involved. Coco Golf. Hopefully maybe you get a couple of Americans involved on the men's side as well. And hopefully this time next week, we have a fantastic quarter, you know, quarterfinals and semifinals opportunity with the finals being on Saturday and Sunday. So... There's your U.S. Open update. Um, NFL notes. Rosters had to be trimmed to 53 men, 53 men on Tuesday of this week. Uh, you will still see plenty more movement as far as guys getting traded. There's, there were several trades during the week. A lot of kickers got traded. Several position players got traded, things like that. So you'll see more of that. You'll also see guys that got cut get put back on the practice squad. Uh, remember, every team, I think, can have 16 guys on the practice squad. For, so basically a total of 59, 69 players can be involved on the active roster for every team. Remember, uh, any team can sign anybody from the practice squad to their active roster. So there will be plenty of guys that at some point will get will get signed off other teams' practice squads added to the active roster. I think every team can stash away two veteran guys on their practice squad to keep them. Guys that have been in the league for, I think I think it's more than four years, three or four years, you can stash away on the practice squad to uh, keep them in your system um, and all that stuff. So rosters to 53. Um, a couple of the holdout situations. Josh Jacobs went back to Las Vegas. He did get a revamped deal. He got about another $2 bucks onto his deal. Still a one-year deal, but he's back with Vegas. Chris Jones still not back with Kansas City. It sounds like he's good. He is going to hold out here until he gets a new deal. No Joey, no uh, Nick Bosa yet for the 49ers. Be interesting to see if he signs. No new deal yet for Joe Burrow, who just started practicing again with the team following his calf injury. It will be very interesting to see if they get Joe Burrow signed before the regular season. I think they will. Uh, there's speculation that Burrow wants a shorter-term contract and that the Bengals want a long-term contract, so we'll see if they get something figured out before opening day. Um, no, no trade for Jonathan Taylor. He was on the market by the Colts. No suitors. You, you had some interest from the Dolphins and potentially the Green Bay Packers. 
Taylor has now been been put on the PUP list, which means he can't play the first four games of the year, which obviously will deter a team from trading for him until probably October. There'll be a, there'll be about another month window between October and October 31st to the trade deadline for the Colts to move Taylor if they intend to do that. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but no trade for Jonathan Taylor. The Cardinals are in full tank mode. They cut Colt McCoy, who was supposed to be their starting quarterback. They trade for Josh Dobbs a week ago, who they think is going to be their starting quarterback in another week. Uh, they're going with Dobbs and Clayton Toon, a, a rookie out of Houston. Uh, they are clearly in tank mode. Kyler Murray's not going to be available at minimum the first four weeks, and I don't think you're going to see Kyler Murray, Murray, Murray play all year. I think the Cardinals are tanking for the number one pick in the draft next year, i.e. Caleb Williams. Remember, they made a trade with Houston as well, so I think they potentially could have two picks in the top three or four next year, depending on how Houston does. Um, but again, I think I think Arizona is in as much of a tank mode as you can be. They're going to start Dobbs and Tune all year. I don't think you will see Kyler Murray play a down, um, and I think you will probably see the beginning of the end of Kyler Murray in Arizona. Uh, does he get traded in the offseason? Who knows? But again, I don't think you'll see Ty- Kyler Murray, Murray play another down in Arizona. This will be a uh, 2-15, and 3-14 and 14 kind of team uh, in Arizona, So in my, my view. Um, new coach, new GM, full rebuild in effect. You remember they got rid of Hopkins. They got rid of, uh, they, again, they're getting rid of Colt McCoy. Uh, don't be surprised if they trade other guys as we get closer to the trade deadline. Remember they got uh, the, the couple good Buda Bakers, a guy they could potentially trade. So don't be surprised if a guy like him gets traded as we move through the season. So uh, there's your NFL. No, uh, and that last note I want to talk about is the Trey Lance trade. The 49ers obviously unload Trey Lance to the Cowboys for a fourth-round pick. I think it's a great move for Dallas. It's a no-risk move for Dallas. You have two years to figure out if he can play or not. Um, keep him. You can keep him as, a, as your third-string quarterback. If he elevates and, and beats out, you know, at some point Cooper Rush down the road, great. If he doesn't, then it's just a two-year, uh, you know, sit on him for two years and figure out what you got. For the 49ers, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm still surprised that they traded him now. They could have always traded him a month from now or two months from now. But to me, you've invested so much capital into him from draft capital. You need quarterbacks on that team. You've had a history of guys getting hurt. Purdy has been hurt. Garoppolo. They have Sam Darnold. They're keeping Trey Lance instead of Brandon Allen, really. Um, I know Trey Lance is not developed probably at the pace that they thought he would. Obviously, remember, he got hurt last year, broke his ankle. He missed the entire year uh, pretty much last year. Uh, but to me, you know, I know it's I know you don't want that that neg- negativity in your locker room potentially of Lance being the third string guy and all the chatter about him. But to me, I would have kept Trey Lance for at least one more year or por- partial a portion of this year and uh, see, see if he would have continued to, to – you know, potentially get any better. And again, you've seen in the history with the 49ers, they've needed quarterbacks. And so to me, Brandon Allen is is not much of a prospect relative to what Trey Lance could be. So good move for the Dallas Cowboys. I think it's no it's a no-lose situation for, for them, uh, for Jerry Jones and company. You know, there's been all this talk about, well, he didn't tell Mike McCarthy, he didn't tell Dak Prescott. It ain't his job to tell Dak Prescott what he's doing for a third-string quarterback. And if Dak Prescott is worried about Trey Lance being the quarterback, then you don't want Dak Prescott to be your quarterback moving forward. So, um, you know. Lance right now is a developmental player. You put him on the bench. You have him learn the system. You try to fix his mechanics and see where you're at in six or seven weeks. 
uh, see where you're at. So to me, that's what it is, and it's a it's a fourth round pick, which in the world of uh, draft capital is nothing. So good move by Dallas, I think. To to it's, it's a wise investment to do that if you're if you're the Cowboys. So um, there are your NFL notes again. You'll see some more moves as we prepare for Week One next week. Remember. Guys' contracts are guaranteed. If you're on the roster week one, your contract is you're getting paid for that year. So anybody that makes that's active on the roster next weekend, it will get paid for the entire year. You will see some veterans not get signed until after week one because after week one, everybody's contract, all the free agent guys, turns into a week-to-week deal potentially. So some older veterans, you'll see guys get signed after week one because then it's a kind of a week-to-week trial. You're not guaranteeing a guy's contract for an entire year. You're kind of paying them on a prorated basis week to week. So you'll see lots of veteran guys sign after the first couple games to to teams that need help. And uh, and again, so the so can't wait till the NFL starts. My Bucks start off at, at Minnesota. Um, again, it'll be a great slate of games. You'll have a game on nine eleven, Jets in Buffalo Sunday night in New York. You'll have the Cowboys and the Giants. Thursday night kickoff in Kansas City. You'll have the Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. So, again, lots of uh, great action as we kick off a week from tonight, Thursday night, as we're recording, as you're probably listening to this Labor Day weekend. We kick off Thursday night next week. So, uh, there's your NFL notes, a couple college football notes, and then we'll get to Sean Kelly and Jeff Colhane. Um, Again, college football starts in full bore this weekend. Everybody's playing. A couple new interesting rules. The clock rule. Clock, the clock will not stop after first downs now in college football until the last two minutes, I believe. So any normal first down in the first, second, third quarter, third quarter will be like an NFL game where the clock will continue to run. It will probably cut six, seven, eight plays off of a game over the course of a game. Um, shorten the game probably six or seven, eight, ten minutes maybe. We'll see how, how that goes as far as that goes. But uh, speed up the game just a little bit. Uh, the college game was getting too slow. The games were all going three, th- three and a half hours, uh, a little bit too long. They, remember, these windows for the TVs are about three hours and 15 minutes, so they don't want games going three and a half hours. Um, when you have a 12 o'clock, a 3.30, a 7 o'clock, a 10.30 kind of game, they don't want these games going three and a half, four hours, uh, and a lot of these games are doing that. So good for them to speed up the clock a little bit there. Um, some good matchups throughout the week. You got Florida State, uh, LSU on Sunday night. You got a couple of good Thursday night games, Florida, Utah out in Salt Lake City. You've got uh, Indiana, Ohio State. You've got Clemson and Duke on Labor Day night. You got North Carolina, South Carolina uh, on Saturday night from Charlotte. So you got some interesting games there. You have Deion Sanders making his debut. Colorado heads to TCU. So that that's an interesting game. You got a, you got a sneaky good game out west with Washington and Boise. Uh, again, Michael Penix, a lot, lot of expectations out of him. Potential Heisman candidate out there. You got a sneaky good game, Coastal Carolina and UCLA uh, out west as well. Um, let's see what else here. You got Virginia, Tennessee. You got West Virginia, Penn State. They've, I think I've heard a stat they've not played in like 40 years. Remember, West Virginia and Pitt used to play all, play all the time. That's kind of a border war game, but West Virginia has not played Penn State in, in for a long, long time. And check out, if you're, if, you're, if you're a fan of either one of those teams, check out my guy T.J. Reeves. He'll be on the radio call with LeVar Arrington on Compass Media Networks. So check out the Compass, uh, Compass Media. Find the Penn State 
West Virginia game Saturday night from Happy Valley. You can give my guy T.J. Reeves a listen on the radio. He'll be on the call there as well as many other games during the year. So a lot of good college football games. Again, next week there's some good games as well. All right, let's give you some picks for the week, three college picks that I like for this week for entertainment purposes only unless you live in a state where you can legally bet. Here you go. We're going first game. We're going Charlotte, North Carolina, ACC, SEC battle. I'm taking South Carolina plus the two and a half against North Carolina to win the game outright. I like Shane Beamer here. You got Spencer Rattler against Drake May. You got Mac Brown and Shane Beamer. The game's in Charlotte, so it's not really a home game for either team. Uh, I think South Carolina, I like South Carolina here, plus the two and a half, but I think they're going to win the game outright, so give me South Carolina plus the two and a half. I'm going to give you a teaser. We're going to do a two-team tease where you can move the point spread six points either direction. You, you can either drop it if you like the favorite or add six points if you like the underdog. I'm going to do a two-team teaser. Clemson on Labor Day night at Duke. They're about a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. I like Clay, Cade Klubnik, ACC game here against Duke. We're going to tease down Clemson to minus 65 I think the defense will be better. I think Klubnik will be better in year two. New offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley, who comes over, the brother of Lincoln Riley, comes over from TCU, and we know what TCU did last year. I like Klubnik in year two. Clemson minus 65 and I'm going to tease up Boise State to keep it close against Washington. I think we're going to tease up Boise to plus 20 and a half. I think Washington wins the game. I think there will be a lot of points in the game. Uh, but Washington defensively, I'm not sure about Washington on defense. I think that Boise is supposed to be a better team this this year. I like Boise. Give me Boise plus 20 and a half at Washington to keep it close. Lose by 14 or 17 at the most on Saturday there. And then my last pick is going to be Sunday night in Orlando. You got the top 10 matchup between Florida State LSU. Remember, they played last year in the Superdome. Florida State wins the game on the last play of the game on a blocked extra point. I think, again, two experienced quarterbacks, two experienced teams. Both teams have college football playoff hopes. I'm going to take, and I hate to do this because I was a former Seminole back in the day. I hate to do this to my Seminole brethren, but give me LSU minus two and a half. I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a very competitive game. I just think Harold Perkins is going to be a major factor. Remember, he didn't play much in that last game, the game last year. I think the offensive line for LSU, Jaden Daniels, the skill players. I like really like Brian Kelly as a head coach. Give me LSU minus the two and a half. And here's a sneaky thing: I think the kicking game is going to be a factor here this this the, the Sunday night. Florida State did not kick the ball very well last year as far as field goals. Um, I know LSU had some issues in the punt return game last year. I think those will get shored up, and I think the kicking game will be a factor here uh, for in favor of LSU on Sunday night. So give me LSU minus the two and a half. Uh, again, LSU two and minus two and a half. South Carolina plus two and a half. I would definitely buy South Carolina up to three if you can. And the two team tees are Clemson and Boise State. Those are my three picks for the week. Jeff Colhane, Sean Kelly coming up. Voices of the Seminoles and the Gators in just a minute. Remember, the Gators kick off at Utah on Thursday night. Herb Street and Fowler will be on the call for ESPN. Remember, Fowler's coming from the U.S. Open to Utah, back to the U.S. Open. Then he's going to Orlando Sunday night. So a wild travel week and work week for Chris Fowler, uh, which I, I'm impressed that he's able to do it. He does a good job. So I like Fowler 
Uh, he'll be doing two football games Thursday and Sunday, mixed in with some U.S. Open stuff over the weekend as well. So shout out to Chris Fowler for for doing it and doing it well. So uh, Fowler does a really good job on that. So before we get to uh, Jeff and Sean, let me let me tell you, give you a little word about TicketSmarter.com. TicketSmarter.com is your place to go to buy tickets on the secondary market. If you're looking to go to your to to a college, the big college football game, NFL game, baseball game coming up here in the fall. This weekend, for example, FSU Florida State tickets in Orlando. Game is sold out. Lower level tickets on Ticket Smarter ranging for from 250 and, and beyond. You can get some super high upper level tickets for 100 bucks, but two, lower level tickets 250. I'm going to give you a promo deal that you can use throughout the college football, NFL, Major League Baseball playoff season. The code is Powers10. If you use the 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 promo code Powers10, TicketSmarter.com or the Ticket Smarter mobile app, the get in price and then check and then check the lower level seat prices. You can get ten dollars off your first order of one hundred using the Powers Ten uh, uh, code at checkout. Or if you decide to, to buy, or Tier Two is if you spend three hundred dollars or more for a particular game, you can get twenty dollars off, and that code is Powers Twenty. So Powers Ten for ten bucks off, Powers Twenty for twenty dollars off. TicketSmarter.com. Download the TicketSmarter.com mobile app. Super easy to use. I was just on it. TicketSmarter's technology gives you the most competitive pricing on the secondary market. Your purchase with TicketSmarter is safe and guaranteed. You can use my promo codes as many times as you want during the season. Unlimited during the football season. Get in the game with TicketSmarter.com and the TicketSmarter mobile app. Remember the code POWERS10 to save $10 off 100 or powers twenty to save twenty to save twenty dollars off a three hundred dollar particular order. Think smarter, ticket smarter, and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. And remember the code powers ten or powers twenty. Enjoy Jeff Colhane and Sean Kelly in just a minute. And now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market to purchase your first time home, relocate to the state of Florida? or just purchase that second home or investment property? Well, if so, Titan Home Lending can help you get financing for that new home purchase. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404, and I can help you get pre-approved in less than one day. A pre-approval is critical in order to make that offer on your home. You want to know how much of a home you can make an offer on, and getting a pre-approval will allow you to do that. From an FHA, VA, conventional loan, jumbo loan, bank statement loans, there are numerous loan options out there to help you get into your house of your dreams. You can also renovate. You can do a renovation loan, which will allow you to make home improvements and finance the costs into the loan. So reach out to Titan Home Lending anywhere in the state of Florida for your next home purchase. 205-790-1404. All right, welcome back. Powers on Sports Podcast. We're doing a simulcast podcast here along with the Florida Football Insiders Podcast as well. And it's now time to preview the top 10 rated Florida State Seminoles as they head into year three of Coach Mike Norvell. They have an opening week showdown with LSU in Orlando on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. So 
a huge opener for the Seminoles and no better person to preview the Seminole roster and the program than the voice of the Florida State Seminoles, the director of broadcasting at Florida State One, Jeff Colhane. Welcome back to the podcast, Jeff. Jason, always great. Appreciate you having me on the show. And uh, man, I can't wait for September the 3rd. I know Nulls fans are ready to get to Orlando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a, uh, obviously with the classic finish you had last year in New Orleans with the with the block extra point and all that great in the in the great year. Florida State coming off a ten and three year, five and three in the uh, ACC top ten finish. It's the highest rated Florida State team in a while here. Uh, obviously, a lot of expectations within the program around Tallahassee nationally, even that this is potentially a college football playoff team. Talk about you just you being around the team in the spring and in the summer. Is this group ready to handle those kind of expectations of not just being competitive again, but we're talking winning big? Yeah, you know, that question uh, is the number one question, right? Uh, I, I remember talking about this last spring with a lot of people. And, um, you know, it is it's an intriguing conversation piece because you go from expectations this time last year of, hey, we, we just want to get to a bowl game, right? I mean, it's been a minute. And all of a sudden, you got 10 wins, you beat LSU, you beat Miami, Florida, and Oklahoma, and you're thinking, oh, okay, this is this is fun. Like, this is, this yeah. is what it used to be all about. And so, um, you know, the answer to that, I take the answer from Mike Norvell because, you know, he is obviously leading the charge here with what he has done into year four and the culture he has instilled with his coaching staff and the players and everybody around the program and you know he basically has said in, in in you know answering this question if we would have listened to everyone with expectations this time last year nobody expected us to be any good so we shouldn't have thought that we were supposed to be good <laughs> and if we keep listening to everybody on the outside of our our you know our walls then we're doing it the wrong way and so you know, it's it's however you want to categorize it, whether you call it cliche, it's what it's what the, the process is with Mike Norvell's football program at Florida State and a coach Norvell led team. And so, you know, they want to get better every day. Sure. Uh, they're not obviously looking ahead to anything in November or December or January. They're looking at today and, and tomorrow when when that day comes. Right. And so it, it's it's sort of the. You know, the, the coach speak answer, I guess. But um, we're going to find out a lot early in the season. It's almost like it's Tiger Month with LSU and Clemson right. in game one and game four. So we're going to know a lot about this football team and where they stack up in accordance to the uh, the national landscape of college football. But I can tell you they are uh, they're working and uh, they're ready to go out and win. And we're going to talk about the roster and the returning guys. You got a lot of guys that could have gone to the NFL and came back. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. First thing I want to talk about, talk about, and I know, I know a lot of teams don't do this, but I saw this in your Twitter feed, which you can find at Jeff Colhane, C-U-L-H-A-N-E. Florida State took a little road trip to Jacksonville, a little team bonding seems like. Talk about that little road trip to Jacksonville and kind of what Coach Norvell was trying to get out of that. Yeah, it's it's almost mimicking a, a road game per se, but it's also, you know, it's it's the the first week of camp is in the books. You're starting to kind of get into a little bit of a routine, and then boom, you zap your guys with a little change, and you take them out of their comfort zone, and you take them out to UNF where they don't have a football program, obviously, but they've got a field set up for them, and 
the, the folks there did a great job. You, you put them in dorm rooms that maybe aren't what the guys are accustomed to. And you, you get them out of town for a few days and um, sort of recalibrate a, a little bit and, and shock the system. Uh, it was hot, obviously. There's no shade. There's no trees. There's no indoor to go into uh, when you have right. a you know a few periods off. You are in the sun, and you're you're learning a lot about how tough you can be. And so, you know, as tough as as uh, you can push guys in this era of college football with no two a days or even three a days with some guys. You know, you go back to watching some of the old school movies and and how it all worked. But uh, I think it's Coach Norvell's way of. Um, building camaraderie and pushing these guys to show them that, yeah, there's a little bit more you can dig into and go find, uh, even on top of what we're asking you to do. Uh, you face adversity, you, know, you come together a little bit. There's obviously, uh, it's not just practice. There are uh, events and meetings and, and group team bonding exercises that, that bring this group together. So he's been doing it every, every year since he's got here. I like it. I, I think it's unique. I think it's uh, a nice twist into fall camp and uh, it takes you out of your comfort zone a little bit and, and shows you what you're capable of in the face of adversity. I like it. I do like that. I, I like that. you getting, the, getting, like I said, breaking the, the monotony of training camp a little bit and doing some different things. All right, let's get to the roster a little bit. You got a bunch of returning guys that could have gone to the NFL trade, you know, Jared verse Travis, uh, Jordan, Travis, Trey Benson. A lot of guys came back that could have gone and made some money in the NFL. Talk about just the returning guys and the experience level and how how much those guys are almost like coaches on the field that Coach Norvell doesn't have to do as much of that p policing. He's got such yeah. a veteran group. Yeah, it's a good way to put it, Jason. It, it is. It's a huge part of it. Uh, I think any – what I've learned around college athletics and really sports in general at every level is the great teams are player-led. And they are obviously held accountable by their coaching staff, but – the great ones are held accountable within the locker room. And I think that's what you have here right now. And all of these guys that could have went on and, and made some money in the national football league and Jared versus case, he was a first round projection, right. but it made a lot of money. Um, they wanted to come back and they wanted to do it together. And that doesn't happen very often in college athletics right now. It really is almost sort of a, you know, an old throwback um, with, with what we're seeing. And so, you have that uh, that player-led mentality, that player-led culture instilled by Mike Norvell and instilled by this coaching staff, Jason. And um, it, it breeds excitement, but it also it, – it, it breeds – Pressure. What the, the, Pressure. Yeah, the, yeah, the blueprint also for the future as well for the younger guys. Like, hey, yeah, we could have made a ton of money. And in the era of NIL, these guys are are obviously making some money, which I'm, I'm totally fine with. Yep. Uh, but they're showing the younger guys that, hey, this is how we do it here. This is how you hold each other accountable. And this is how you win big. And so um, it's why Florida State's a, a top 10 team in both polls in the preseason and why they're challenging Clemson to kind of unseat the Tigers at the top of the ACC this season. Looking at the roster, looks like it, by my count, it looks like there's 11 transfers that came in plus the high school kids. Of those transfers, give me a couple of names that you really think are going to make an impact on the on the whether it's the first or second deep as far as uh, the, yeah. the roster of guys that you really think are going to play a bunch. Well, I always answer this question the same way. To me, it starts with Jaheim Bell uh, on offense because I think he is versatile. You see what he has done at South Carolina, uh, tight end, catching tight the football. End. Yes, yep. catching the football, uh, running the football. 
He is a, a tremendous, tremendous ad, along with Kyle Morlock, the two-time D2 All-American uh, that came in from Shorter, who is a big-bodied, uh, wide, you know, tight end, wide receiver that can catch the ball and also block. Uh, I, I know Mike Norvell is excited about Keon Coleman uh, because Keon Coleman is a pro, uh, could have went to the NFL, but he's from Louisiana. Uh, he told everybody that, hey, he went to Michigan State, but he wanted to come back to the South because it's just different. College football is just different in the South. And so he came to Florida State. It's it's going to be a great opportunity for Knowles fans to see two big wide receivers and Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman out on the field at the same time at six seven and six four, uh, which is really exciting to talk about. But I think what the transfer portal has done, Jason, it, it, it's it's been able to infuse both lines of scrimmage with experience and talent at at times where both of those position groups needed that more so than any other group on this team. I feel like. You go back three years ago to 2020, it was the youngest offensive line in college football, and it showed. Now, according to Phil Steele, it's the most experienced offensive line he has seen in all of his years of getting ready for his preseason college football preview ever with the guys they have brought in with Jeremiah Byers and Casey Roddick and Keandre Jones and returners like Maurice Smith and Demetri Emanuel and Robert Scott and Darius Washington. So now you got seven, eight deep on the on the offensive line, and you're eight, nine, potentially ten deep on the defensive line. And I'll, I'll give you a name defensively. It's, it's too bad Daryl Jackson's waiver did not go through. Uh, right. That could be a whole other podcast for a whole other day. But I think Braden Fisk, when you see him with pads on, he is a mean-looking dude that's got a motor. <laughs> uh, and, and I think Knowles fans are going to fall in love with number 55. Uh, this upcoming season. Well, let's stay on the defensive side, and then I'll, we'll get a quarterback question after that. Jared Verse, obviously we know what he is, all all ACC defensive end. You mentioned Fisk. The secondary, four returning guys in the secondary. You got an a, a Virginia transfer, all ACC, another uh, DB back there. That seemed to be a little bit of a weak link last year. Talk about the the, the importance of the secondary growing into the position. Yeah. <clears throat> I, you know, I, I think – the secondary is a group that has also been been helped. You mentioned Fentrell Cypress, his addition, who's an all-ACC corner out of UVA. You return Renardo Green. You return Jarian Jones, Azaria Thomas. Uh, so you have depth there. I think a guy that, that we need to talk more about, that we will talk more about, is Kevin Knowles. Kevin Knowles is a guy that's played since he stepped on campus at that nickelback spot out of Hollywood. And he has gained almost 30 pounds of muscle, Jason, and they're moving him wow. to safety. And, and he can play both spots. He can play nickel. He can play corner. But I think they're looking at Kevin as a guy that can provide depth at the safety spot behind Shaheen Brown and Akeem Dent and be versatile. I think what you have in this era of college football, what Adam Fuller and Mike Norvell are doing, you are getting versatile playmakers in the secondary that can both cover and can come up and play the run right. where you don't feel like you have to have a roster loaded with a bunch of linebackers. And so when when some of these guys left for the portal, some really good players, Amari Gaynor, Brennan Gant, you're kind of like, all right, there, there's got to be something going on here. I think that's kind of the viewpoint. You have a lot of guys because offenses aren't line up and run at you three yards in the cloud of dust. They're going to spread you out, multiple formations. you got to cover mm -hmm. tight ends. you gotta you got to cover guys in the slot. That's what this defense, I think, is trying to do. And when you have the confidence in your front four to get to the quarterback without bringing extra pressure with guys like Verse and Peyton 
and Gilbert Edmond, who's also here from South Carolina. We haven't even talked about Fabian Lovett yet, who yeah. is one, was one of the most needed players last year. And we saw and felt his absence when he got hurt in the run game. Um, you feel good about what you can do in the secondary for a group that was a top-rated pass defense in the ACC last year. Back to the offense. Obviously, Jordan Travis is going to be the trigger man here, lead, leading the charge. What I like is they've got guys behind him. Rotomaker has played in one games. In pre so, God forbid something happens to Jordan. You got a guy that can come in and it's, he's proven he can get the job done, what he did at Louisville. You got A.J. Duffy, who's another guy that I know is competing for the backup job. Just talk about the depth in that quarterback room. God forbid something happens to Jordan Travis. Yeah, right. I mean, knock on wood. Uh, and we saw it a year ago. I mean, that Louisville game, I think we should talk more about, Jason. I mean, that game, as much as we talk about LSU yep. and the state championship, right, and rightly so, and Oklahoma to end the year, the Louisville game to me was a an early season culture program defining win right. that, that go, went a long way in last year's 10-win season. And so, you know, Tate Rodemaker kind of had a deer in the headlights look at the end of the second quarter in that one, and then they got him comfortable, and he got comfortable, and he was great. And the defense locked it in and did some great things. And, of course, they got the running game going with, with Trey Benson and, and LT and Trey Sean Ward in that game as well. But, you know, I tell you this, Tate Rodemaker's experienced. A.J. Duffy's very good. You, you hear what Mike Norvell uh, has said about Brock Glenn the true freshman who was originally committed to Ohio state. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that young man is doing some very good things. I believe the quote was he doesn't process things like a true freshman. He's almost ahead of the curve. And so I'm not saying he's going to be the backup. I think it'll be Tate, but, but keep an eye out for Brock Glenn for even next season, potentially when Jordan yeah. moves on as that quarterback room will be in a competition next spring for who the next starter will be in this offense. What's the one position group in your mind that if they can if they can elevate their game a little bit to one more notch up or maybe two notches up that this team can be college football playoff national championship quality? It's boring, Jason, but it's the lines of scrimmage. It's the offensive and defensive line. Uh, we we ran the football great last year, six straight games of two hundred yards or more. Uh, you know, tying a, a school record. Um, you know, 35 straight game, 35 points, six straight games in a row. That's the longest streak in college football uh, right now. And so, uh, correct myself, I think it's seven straight games of 200 yards or more last season, nearly a school record of eight. But but if the offensive line can take another step forward in continuing to to carve out running lanes for Trey Benson and LT and and depend on who the third running back will be, whether it's Rodney Hill or Keziah Holmes or whomever it will be, it's going to set the tone for this wide receiver core and tight end group to, to get some some open looks in the passing sure. game for Jordan. I think Jordan's going to be able to negate, you know, maybe a mistake here or there with his escapability and what he, what he can do. But if the offensive line takes the next step and the defensive line can get better at stopping the run, that's also coupled with the linebacker core. I think that's an area that certainly needs to improve, slowing down the run. Um I think the lines of scrimmage, if they take a, a two or three steps forward, this is going to be a team that we're talking about in November as a college football playoff team. Last positional question, then we'll get to the schedule here. Special teams, an area that I'm very familiar with and very that's very important. Yeah. Florida State didn't kick the ball very well last year as far as in the field goal game. I know they brought in a transfer from East Tennessee State. You got Ryan Fitzgerald back. 
how important, obviously, especially in this month of September, making the makeable field goals is going to be for Florida State. Yeah, it's huge. And that's a huge battle right now. I mean, with Fitzy and you just celebrated a birthday uh, the other day. And yeah. uh, Tyler Keltner is a Tallahassee guy, Childs High School. And so okay. I actually met he and his mother in Orlando last year. They were at the bowl game. Wow. Uh, he's a huge knoll. I mean, he he's coming home to potentially be the full-time kicker. It means a ton to him. And so you got a great battle going on there with Tyler and with, with Fitzy right now. It's huge. Uh, you got to make big kicks on the road. I, you know, I think about games a year ago. Wake Forest was a game right. where if we make a few kicks, who knows how that 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 momentum changes in that game. Uh, it's in Ryan Fitzgerald's DNA. I truly believe that. He just has to get off to a good start and get some confidence. He had some big kicks late in the year, a season ago, the game winner versus Oklahoma. Right. In the cheese and bowl, he is more than capable. But you're right. It's got to be better. He can't be 12 for 20. You got to be up in that that higher percentage echelon of when a big time freshman. Plus. You got to be 80 plus. Yeah. 80, when, when you're yep. up there. And and I, I've always looked at this and you can you know the, the position better than I do. In college, if you are able to consistently make field goals of 40 yards or more, yes. you are ahead of the game in yes. college football. And the NFL is usually it's 50 yards or more with yep. those guys. College. So if you can right. do that. Yep. It's going to be a huge tool for you. In another area, Jason, punt return is going to be key. It's not a, a, a position you talk about a lot. An area Micah Pittman excelled in a year ago was that punt return spot in, yep. in it sounds simple, in taking care of the football and, and controlling field position. Keon Coleman, Lawrence Toafili, Destin Hill, uh, who will be the newcomer that steps into that spot and ask LSU how big of a position right. that was. That cost them games a year ago. We need to find a guy that can solidify that spot and just do the simple plays and make it easy. All right, looking at a couple more questions, get you out of here. Looking at the schedule, obviously, what you've mentioned the month of September is going to be critical for Florida State. At I mean LSU in Orlando and then four and then week four at Clemson. Yeah. Again, week two, week three are still important, but those are the two monster games. If they can get out of that game, that that gate at worst one and one, you can't go over yeah. two or you're in big trouble. If you can get out of there at least one and one, remember the ACC is about it's a top two teams now. It's not divisional, so you could potentially see Clemson a second time if everybody does their work throughout the year. But how important it is, obviously, with that first game, especially you can't waste these training camp days. These are these right. are critical. It, it sets the tone, you know. It sets the tone for the entire year, and you know, for the energy around the program and around the university heading into October right. uh, as well, with three home games in a row on the schedule after the bye week, staring you straight in the face. I mean, yep. you know, if if we're 4-0 coming out of that bye week and yep. coming back to Dope, it's going to be Look wild. Out. You know, you, you know it, and it's going to be wild. And those are three winnable games, Virginia Tech, Syracuse. I think Duke is tougher than what people are going to give it credit for because Duke's not a sexy college football program, but they are, they're a good team. Yep. They're a good team right now. And, and then – I'll tell you two two big mental, you know, check games yeah, for you. It's not the going. rivalry games. It's going to Wake Forest and, and winning. Pitt. And Pitt. And, and at Pitt, November fourth. Yeah. Pitt is the team in the last five years that has the second most wins in the ACC right now. I mean, you know, they're not again. They're not a team you talk about a lot, but they are a team that's pumped out NFL talent. And Pat yeah. Narduzzi knows how to coach defense. They play physical. Tricky they weather. The, you could have some bad weather up there yeah. that time of the year. Yeah, they're they're blue collared. It matches the city that they're in. Yep. So, 
Um, it's not going to be easy. It never is. You're going to battle some injuries. You're going to face adversity. But with with the head coach, with Mike Norvell, yep. and with the leaders that came back that bypassed the NFL, you'd like to believe and think that you have the leadership to be able to handle some of those uh, some of those things you're going to deal with during a regular season. All right, Jeff, tell everybody where they can find the uh, – obviously, if they can't – if they don't have a Florida State affiliate in their town as far as the local radio, tell everybody where they can find the uh, the broadcast on at the Florida State Athletic website, yeah. things like that. You and Bar none on the call for another great year of Florida State football. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Looking forward to it with, with Bar none and Tom Block and our entire crew. It's just – they made my life so easy last year in replacing the great Gene Decker off, and I shouldn't say replacing. You can't, can't do that. Uh, you know, carrying on that uh, that role. Um, and I actually Gene, heard I actually heard Gene on a an interview down here, and he was talking about how you and he text back and forth like fifty times a week. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, he yeah. was ta- he was really talking about how much he liked how how well you were doing, yeah. and and so yeah. he was no, really he's, he, talking he's positively of you. Yeah, he's the man. We have a text chain. We text during games. <laughs> yeah, that's what he forth. was saying. <laughs> he was over in uh, I think Munich last year with the Bucks in Germany. He was texting at four in the morning during the Syracuse <laughs> game. So we have a lot of fun. It's a great group and uh, easiest way to find us. If you if you can't uh, if you don't have an affiliate in your hometown, we usually we pretty much get everywhere in the state. But check out Seminoles.com or you can download the FSU Game Day app. It's free to download. You can listen to us on your mobile device anywhere uh, you go. Well, Jeff, man, you're, you're doing a great job. Keep up the great work and look forward to an awesome year. I'm going to get up there for one of these home games this year. And uh, we, let's get us back in that playoff, man, where we belong. Hey, I can't wait. Let's go. It's where Florida State should be. As Mike Norvell says, you expect to be talked about like right. this at Florida State University. So I can't wait. I'm, I'm happy and thankful to be a Noel and be a part of it. And, uh, Jason, thanks for having me on. Go Noles. Have a great call and have a great year, Jeff. Take care. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions, as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs, corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. All right, welcome into our simulcast podcast of the Powers on Sports podcast in Florida Football Insiders. We are so welcomed and so happy to have the Gators play-by-play voice, Sean Kelly, in year two with the Gators. Also, Sean also is uh, does a lot of work for ESPN as well throughout the year. So, and uh, we've got an exciting year two, Billy Napier up in Gainesville. A lot of changes on the roster, new quarterback and such. So, I want to welcome Sean to the podcast. Appreciate you being with us, Sean. Hi, Jason. Uh, great to be here as always. And uh, greetings from the swamp. I'm in my uh, home broadcast booth 
for the first time this year, as we speak, the Gators are having their first full contact scrimmage of the uh, of summer. Everybody calls it fall camp. It's uh, the heat index is like 105. Let's call it summer camp, shall we? Yes, no doubt about it. No doubt. All right, before we get to the Gators, I want to talk to you about a couple things you did over the summer. Saw you on the airwave. You did some summer league out in Las Vegas. You done some uh, baseball, some MLB baseball for ESPN. Talk to me about summer league. Is all the hype about Mr. Wimbenyana. You were out there during that period of time. Give us a little sense of the hype about Wimbenyana. Oh, the hype's real. I mean, it's it, it's as crazy as I've ever seen the summer league uh, festivities in Las Vegas. And I think in a lot of ways it's um, it's justified. We're talking about a very, very talented individual with freakish size. Uh, and the combination that we see now and again, but maybe not this complete this early in a young man's career. And he's proved himself not just in European play, Jason, but look, they also played some exhibition games against G league talent and he fared just fine. So surely enough, he's in a great, he's in a great organization to develop too with the San Antonio Spurs. And you could see it kind of how it played out the first game, right. uncomfortable, um, trying to find his way. And then sure enough, he progressed pretty quickly through his next couple of uh, nights on the floor. And again, he's playing with guys right now that he probably won't play with when he's with the big club. And they've only been together for like eight days, uh, that kind of thing. So you can see what this will be. Um, you can see where some of his growing pains will come from along the way. Uh, but he, he, I think, is still believed to be a generational talent based on you know, the body of work and the glimpses that he showed in Las Vegas. I think the Spurs are just happy that he got a little taste and got out of there unscathed. Right. Nobody got hurt right? And, and they'll get him into camp and, and Greg Popovich will begin to bring him along. So I want to think he's a generational talent. I, you know, it's too early to say at this point, but all signs are pointing to that. But probably very cool for you to be out there with that much hype around a guy who's, you know, coming into the league. It was. I mean, you know, I didn't have any of his games, but I was there and and the ripple effect that it had upon right. all of the other games, um, you know, the attendance alone. And, and, it, yeah. and Summer League's unique in that it's it's two buildings that are connected. You know, one is the Thomas and Mack Arena where UNLV plays its games. The other side is kind of their smaller gym, the Cox Pavilion. And so, right. you know, fans can – they basically pay a day rate. So you, you you lay down your bucks and you get a ticket, and that means you can stay all day which go can back be four and games, and you can go back and forth. So it, it really has kind of become the center of the basketball universe for that, you know, 11, 12 days every summer. And so with the Wimbanyana factor, with the growth of the event, you know, NBA did NBA con for the first time in <laughs> Las Vegas while they're out there. And um, it's become a thing. It really has. Even just in the four years that I've been working out there, it's different now than it was the first year that I did it. Um it's the hardest week of my year, frankly. I mean, if I'm being honest about the preparation, the schedule, all of that, it's it's a week that I I dread and, and look forward to all at the same time. So, you know, I know that's a total contradiction, but that's exactly what Summer League is for me now each summer out in Las Vegas. For so sure. um, I like the fact that we've had um, guys come around off the big club to watch the potential new talent. Right. Uh, those guys are getting together. They're kind of making a working vacation out of it. Right. So there's plenty of people to talk to, you know, most all the front office people are around. Uh, 
it, you know, you know, on baseball winter meetings that if you were looking to get a job in baseball, you went to the baseball winter meetings because right. that's where the job fair was, or you might bump into a GM, that, that kind of a thing. That's where this is headed to. So it's like, think baseball winter meetings and NFL owners meetings and pro bowl and all-star weekend kind of all rolled into one. That's kind job of what it's fair. big job the, fair. Yeah. Job fair, but just a networking opportunity. Right. And it's again, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, I beg your pardon. Um, you know, all these people in the league, right. But everybody's doing this all season long. Yep. It's hard to be in one place. It's right. It's all-star weekend. And, and most people during all-star weekend, Jason, they're going on some kind of a vacation. Uh, many go to all-star weekend, wherever city that is. But a lot of guys just try to get a break in the middle of the season. This is truly the one time where you'll find just about everybody in the NBA in one spot. So that's pretty cool. Cool. All right. The other big thing you had this summer at the beginning of the summer, you were part of the Gators broadcast at the college world series. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't turn out the way you wanted. I know obviously with LSU winning the title, but cool experience for you to go to the college world series. No doubt, especially my first year at Florida. It was my second time going there. I, I went in 2005 when I was with Tulane University, and that was a bit of a short stay. And it was at the old park. Um, right. I got to do games at Rosenblatt, which I'm really grateful that I did get to to work in that venue. It was a, a bucket list item at the time. Uh, it's still a bucket list item and should be for really any baseball fan. But, you know, you go in there this year. I thought, I thought Jason, it was one of the best fields we've seen in a long, long time. And I'm talking about all the eight teams that were there. I thought all eight teams were just dynamite. And sure enough, when you have that, we got great games, yeah. great games all the way through the college world series. Um, and yeah, with the, were the last two games weird. Yes. Should <laughs> Florida won by 20 in game two and then lose by you know, whatever it was, 11 or 12 or uh, in, in the finale. No, right. I mean, that, that's what was so weird about how it finished. Um but I think the two best teams played for it in the end, and that's what you want. And uh, 13 days anywhere is a long time, but if it's got to be anywhere, why not Omaha, Nebraska in June? So did it was con- that was a great way to kick it off. Did you contribute to the shot the shot count at the restaurant, or is that all LSU people? <laughs> no, it was a lot of LSU people. Um, <laughs> and look, look, F- Florida fans that were there, they had a little taste and all that. I just kind of got into this mode. If they, if they want the Jello trophy, knock yourself out. <laughs> I was pulling for the big trophy. Unfortunately right. for us, LSU took the Jello trophy and the big trophy and got right. out of town. So, yeah, right. it's just the way it happened. They're not going to lose many many drinking contests around the country to LSU. LSU is going to win them all most of the time. Yeah, and then especially <laughs> when they're big boy uh, money guys uh, yeah. throw throw with the, the money at it. Like um, that's right. You know the guy that owns Racing Canes and all that stuff. Yeah, Todd Graves. All right, all right. Let's get to the Gators. Six and seven in Billy Napier's year one. We're coming into year two. The Gators have not had three straight losing seasons since back in the 1950s, so we're trying to avoid that in year two, Coach Napier. Um, obviously, the first question everybody wants to kind of get a feel of is the quarterback situation. Obviously, you're watching a scrimmage right now, so you're going to probably have a better feel here in a few days of what the final decision is. But how do you think just that position in general, how do you think that is going to unfold for the Gators? Yeah, you know, Coach Napier is not named a starter yet. I, he might do so later today um, as we're visiting here on, on a Thursday. Right. Um, I think that he had he had said something about by the end of this week he wanted to name him a starter. Yeah. Obviously, he re, he retains the right to wait till next week if he wants to. Right. But, uh, Jason, I think, I think all signs are pointing toward Graham Mertz right. being the, the, 
the, the, the lead guy coming out of this thing. And he's, uh, he's the transfer from Wisconsin. And um, I didn't have a real good read on him during spring football. I didn't know really what to think. I'm just being honest. Yep. But man, he's, has he had a great camp so far and you can see the 32 start experience, right? Whether it's how he runs the huddle, what his meeting room is like, um, what the team feels like around him when he's on the field. I think he's thrown very well, more so than he did in the spring. Um, he can make all the throws. And I had a question mark about that as he drops a pass inside the five yard line uh, to one of his tight ends here <laughs> as we speak. So I think he's the guy I, yep. you know, obviously you're going to miss the explosive plays that we got from Anthony Richardson a right. year ago. But I think if Mertz is the guy, this is a more consistent quarterback for the Gators. Be a distributor, all distributor. Be a distributor. Yeah, he'll throw for better than 53%. He'll manage the game. Um, and he'll beat you too. I mean, sometimes we get we get that label of, well, he's a good game manager. Right, right. That's kind of like saying, bless your heart, for God's <laughs> sakes. I mean, come on. So I think I think in this sense, this is a positive as far as his managing of the game and whatnot. And he's got guys – around him obviously he's got the talented running backs yep. in montreal johnson and trevor etn and they're at, right. at the transfer from tulane and can and can carroll um we'll see how the offensive line is i think that's a question mark those five guys last year were so good but kingsley aguacan is back at center i think he anchors that situation austin barber now protects the quarterback's blind side at left tackle and we'll go from there we'll see how this plays out there's a couple of transfers involved but that's something to watch early around the quarterback situation. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't leave you with any backups, but Jack no, Miller good. is obviously in that yeah. conversation, and and a young name, uh, man named Max Brown um, also is in that conversation. A Tulsa kid who really has got great feet and a, and a rocket arm, um, just a little more raw than say Mertz or Miller is. That's your quarterback room, and then Ricky Pearsall, Jason at wide receiver, has uh -huh. been unguardable, unguardable. Uh, during camp. I mean, obviously we knew how good he was last year and you hoped, Oh boy, I hope we get the same Ricky. Well, I, I think you're going to get a, a better Ricky even now uh, this year. He's just been unbelievable. And then Caleb Douglas is going to factor in Marcus Burke. Uh, and then you're young, you're really young at the rest of the wide receiver position, but really fast. Andy Jean, Aiden Mizell, Eugene Wilson. Those are names that Gators fans, college football fans will probably pick up pretty quick when it comes to the Gators. And then, um, I'm just running through the whole team now. No, I'm that's been the, the I mean, you, that's but, been the question yeah. with the Gators the last four or five years. Do they have the electric the electric guy on the outside? I know Pearsall's good. Yeah. But is there, are there other guys that can step up and be that electric kind of wide dynamic wide receiver skill player? Yeah, those are the, the, the names I just gave you. Those are the guys that are going to yep. either be or will be down the road. You know, right. as they learn the right route running and all that. I'll tell you. Here's the here's another guy that um, has really caught my eye during camp, and he's not a jet like. Ricky is or or Mizell or Andy Jean. But you know, Willie Jackson's kid, Khalil. Yeah. Um, Khalil's had a really big jump here from what I saw from him last year. Again, not the fastest guy in that group, but a really good route runner and catches everything. Just like his dad. His dad was just like just that. A, just the same, same, same deal. Right. His dad's a little taller yep. uh, than Khalil is, but He's a guy that's made a big jump going into the season. I think, like, he may not be a starter, but he's going to be in this rotation. For sure.
he's made that kind of an impact. Nice. I think in a lot of ways, coming into last year, me getting to learn the landscape and everything else, as it turns out, for whatever reason, Khalil was in some kind of a hole and had to work all the way out of the hole, then kind of get stabilized. And now he's had this offseason to kind of make, set himself up to make this jump. And he's given, and with that comes a scholarship. He's put on full scholarship. And, and he's made them look good doing so by what he's done here in camp. So, yeah, I, I think he factors in as well. Um, how how close is Coach Napier, do you think, to the roster construction the way he wants? Obviously, it's year two of recruiting, transfer portal. How close do you think he's to where he really thinks this roster can be? Another year. Okay. Another year. Um, and, and then, so I say that, I say another year, but then let's give that last chunk of the roster the year to develop right. in his system. Right. So. So this time next year, they're better. And, and we're probably looking at just about everybody being a Billy Napier guy, whether it's right. portal or the recruiting classes of 23, 24. Right. Um, and then we have to let that group kind of have a year in the system. Yep. And then I think we can say, okay, where do we feel like Billy Napier's program is? Right. Now, you and I both know patience is not a virtue here with <laughs> our fan base. Um, and I get it. And I'm okay with it. But sometimes – we got to be patient a little bit. Remember what Napier walked into. I think, I think you're going to see a dramatic difference just even this year. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, you better do a little homework and have a scorecard, as they <laughs> say in baseball, to know a lot of these new guys. Yeah. Um, the roster's turned over in a big way. So 93% of the roster was here in January, um, which is great because if you're going to turn over a bunch of guys, you want them to be together at least a little bit, in this yep. case, eight months in the off-season program. Mm -hmm. But I want to say we're talking about 40 – I'm going to be off by one or two here – 49 newcomers Wow. out of a total of 118. Right. The 118 – keep in mind, the 118 includes walk-ons too. Sure, so, sure. Um, yeah, there will be names you recognize, but there's a lot of guys that are going to be impact players that are new to the Gators. But the good news is this. Um, most everybody in that group brings a significant amount of experience. Like I mentioned, Graham, Graham Mertz brings 32 starts right. here to Florida. Taraja Mitchell, who's going to be a big part of the linebacking group, he was a captain at Ohio State. Uh, R.J. Moten, who's going to be in the secondary, uh, a leader at Michigan, and fresh start for him, kind of the last thing he wants to do before hopefully making the jump to the league. So. When you combine the total uh, Division One snaps in this transfer class, it totals ten thousand plus. So that's significant. Sure. So you're you're bringing in experience and guys who fit your mold, all those things. So the defense was historically awful last year. Uh, this defense is much improved. New so another new reason why. Yep. New coordinator, new coordinator Austin Armstrong. Yep. Whose energy is contagious. The yep. guys love him. Um, What's the scheme? What is it? A, is it a blitzing scheme? Four three three four. Oh, it's it's aggressive, but it I, you can't even call it a three four four three or monster. What it, it's it's uh it changes a lot. Like okay, Jason. Sometimes there'll be one linebacker. Yeah. Sometimes they'll have a traditional two middle, and you know you'll see Will Sam and Mike on the field at the same time. Uh, it. I just know this. It, it's big up front. 
Okay. Bigger than it has been here in the last several years. Okay. Really big up front. So the offensive line is too. Offensive line will probably end up being the second biggest in the SEC. So you'll notice right away, Florida's defense is big up front um, and and quick off the edge. Justice Boone, uh, Princely Umami Ellen, principal guys off the edge right now. Um, and then young, but more skilled in the secondary. Okay. And that's going to, you know, safety, safety is a position where I'm like, let's see how this goes. Uh, corner, I think you're probably okay. They've always been good at corner. Florida's always yeah. been good at corner. Right, right. Um, but collectively, though, I would say, though, the secondary of the last two years, if you look at them as a unit, has been shaky sometimes. Okay. And the, and the, and the defensive numbers bear that out. The last two years, Florida fans will tell you, we can't have this. Right. And I get it especially last year. So they're going to have to be better on third down. Um, you know, there was a pretty ball hawking defense last year, but, you know, coach said not, but a week or two ago. Yeah. I mean, sometimes numbers are deceiving and I'm talking about coach Armstrong, the new defensive coordinator. Right. Yeah. So we won, t- we won takeaways, you know, we're, we're plus and taking the football away, but if you can't get off the field on third down and sometimes third and long, doesn't matter. It negates it. it you know, it neutralizes that. Right. So, so we'll see. I, I think the bottom line is this, Jason. Um, I get why folks are predicting where the Gators are going to finish, whether it be win-loss record or um, standings SEC-wise, division-wise. I get it. Um, but I think this is going to turn out to be a situation where the Gators are better than people think they are. Are they contending for something this year? No. I'm just being realistic now, yeah, yeah. but they're, they're, they're better than people think they are. And Do you what? hope that this is the, this takes the step toward that. Like I said, that, that big 24 class, which yeah. according to those who rank those things is going to end up being top three, probably in the country. Two more questions. I'll get you out of here. Looking at the schedule. You got You got to, Obviously the first game, the rematch with Utah this time in Salt Lake city. Then you have Tennessee in week three. How important is it for Florida to figure out a way to get one of those two wins out of the gate, I mean, or at least play well. I mean, that's the thing. If you, if you lose and play good, you can live with that, but don't go out and get blown out twice in your in your first three weeks. Yeah, now, you know, speaking of playing out of a hole, then you're really playing out of a hole. You're probably one and right. two at that point. And, right. and, the, and the, the hard part of your schedule or the harder part of your schedule still to come. Sure. Um, we'll know a lot, obviously. I mean, a, a road game at a very good Utah team against a very good head coach. Yep. who would really like to get back at you for what happened last year in Gainesville. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you know, the Gators are going on the road with a, with a team learning about each other and play at altitude, all challenges. Right. Yeah. But if you win that game, uh, you got a chance to be two and zero when Tennessee comes to the swamp in week three. Um, yep. And I think, I think that to avoid the hole, but you better take advantage of what you have in front of you at home this year. Yep. based on how the schedule is going to lay out. Right. Uh, and look, Tennessee is predicted to be good. Just good fine again. again. Yeah. That's right. Right. So and nothing's going to come easy for this football team. Um, but if they can – look, my partner, Shane Matthews, he's really optimistic. Shane's saying Gators win a minimum of eight. I heard that before. Okay. We had Shane so, on, yep. Yeah, I'm not so sure I'm ready to – go all in on that yeah again like i said i'm i'm holding with the i think they're better than people think they are um 
But look, he nailed it last year. He said this team would be lucky to win six, and that's exactly what happened. So, and by the way, he's pretty smart at football. He sits he right there. Um, <laughs> so, I hope he's right. I hope he's right. But but if he's right, that means though, Jason, you beat Tennessee at home in week three, right? Right. Otherwise, you're you're up against it because as as you've seen on that Florida schedule, there's some there's some swings there at Two, LSU, stretches, at South Carolina. Georgia right. at, Mis- at Missouri is going to be yep. um, no picnic. I can tell right. you that right now. Right. Um, Florida state right. at the end, so, Florida state at the Florida end, state at the end. And, and if, if they are what people say they are, yep. my, they, they could be playing for an ACC championship. They could be playing for a lot of things. If Seminole yep. fans, that's hope right. It goes the way they say it's going to go. Right. Um, I have different feelings about that, but <laughs> you know, that's okay. Um, <laughs> Didn't didn't take me long to get bathed. <laughs> no, in the it did not. Blue That's a good one. That's a good shot. Um, so look, it's daunting, and then the twenty four schedules. I mean, brutal as well. I mean, you're 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 entering two of arguably the toughest schedules Florida has ever played. Um, again, you want to argue with me about eras and all that kind of stuff? Go right ahead. But if we're just talking <laughs> about strength of schedule, based on either what those teams did year prior what they're projected to have yeah. rosterized I, I think you'd have a hard time saying that there's been a more difficult two season stretch than what they're about to begin here this year all right last thing tell gator fans where they can find the gator broadcast if they don't have a gator radio affiliate in their town where can they find yeah. the broadcasts there's a couple of ways and i you know that's the fun thing about where radio is going and, and podcasting and everything else is that we still have that terrestrial network as you described it's a very great and strong uh, radio network with affiliates all over Florida and beyond. But now, you know, it's available on the Florida Gators app okay. quite easily. As a matter of fact, uh, varsity app through, I think that's a, you know, that's a Learfield product. Right. It's a cool thing in that, you know, like when I'm not working, I can bounce around and I can catch games all over the country. So it's, it's as easy to put it on your phone and, and stream that in your car or at the house on the, yep. on the, on the Bluetooth in the house now. So, you know, everybody talks about how radio is an old and tired medium. I think it's actually getting new legs here with the ability for folks to, to kind of have it anywhere at any point. Uh, you know, the only other thing is sometimes there's that delay or it's off the TV screen. So, you know, you can pause this, pause that, and try and match them up. But at the end of the day, you have the radio end of it uh, over the air, and then is, and, and I'm glad you mentioned it. You have the ability to, to listen online now or through a streaming device. So thanks for bringing that up, and as always, thanks for having me. You got it, man. We really appreciate the time. Enjoy the year up in the broadcast booth. You and Shane Matthews do a great job on the call. Uh, you can find Sean on Twitter or X or whatever the heck we're calling it these days yeah. at Sean Kelly K E L L E Y live at Sean Kelly live on Twitter. He put some great stuff up. Keep up the great work with ESPN. We'll see you on, down the road and uh, have a great football season with the Gators. All right. Thanks, Jason. We'll talk to you as we get closer to the ball games. Appreciate it. Have a great season. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.